Hello and welcome to episode 79 of the Massive Attack Podcast. I'm Joe and with me tonight, as always, is Mitch. Hello. How are you tonight, Mitch? I'm great. And that's good to hear. Mm. Now we are barreling through the A to Z and we've come to one of our favourites and we are up to the letter T. So tonight we are looking at Transformers. I love it how I actually, I always try and bait and switch that people don't know we're going to talk about, but it's in the title of the podcast they download. Yeah. They know exactly what it is with the picture you use. Yes. So I don't know why I do that. No. Anyway. I don't know why you do that either, now that, now that I'm thinking about it. I find it fun. Anyway. People know that the photo and the title doesn't go on until after we've done it. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah, so Transformers, the, the commercial, yeah? One big, long toy commercial. See, that's what I was trying to work out. So obviously, we are looking at the overarching Transformers, mm-hmm. and I was trying to work out what came first, the whole chicken or the egg, but no, what came first, the toys or the cartoon or the comic? Well, obviously, the toys came first in Japan, but if you're talking under the branding of Transformers, I don't know. Well, I think here in Australia, we got the cartoon first. I, I remember the cartoon first. Yeah. But I think the way it worked was back in the dim, dark past of 1983, there was a little thing called the Tokyo Toy Show, Mm -hmm. and Hasbro sent some representatives over to Japan to come up with some ideas of toys they might be able to procure, Yep, or steal, if you like Lego, maybe. And yeah, they went over there, and there was already a line of toys that was on the market over there, made by Takara, and they were called Diaclone, I think they were, or micro change mm-hmm. and they were basically the forerunner of what transformers as we would have known in the 80s were so they had like the equivalent of an optimus prime and they had a couple of other yep. of the bigger well, i think lines. it was two i think takara was one and diaclone was another there were two different lines yeah and i think what happened was they had little action figures that went yes. with them with magnetic feet that used yes, to sit micro in the something but they were called you might know them as micro noughts here in australia or America, yes. Okay. That's what they became. So they bought them. So there were two lines. There was one of them they were transforming vehicles. Yeah. And there was another one where they were meant to be real size. So that's where your Megatrons, your Soundwaves, your Walkmans or guns that are actually real size toys, that's one element. And then there were cars, obviously, that weren't real size. So they were the ones they actually called the mini cars. Yep. So as a kid, I always wondered why some of them were different scales to others. So that makes sense that they were two toy lines combined into one. Yeah, and that's what a lot of it was. that's why the quality was different on some of the toys too because, you know, some were plastic, some were more die-cast than others and, yeah. and what they look like. But, yeah, so this guy went back to America and said, look, they got these toys over here and they weren't brand new toys over there. I think the late 70s up until 83, this line of toys were going. So they bought the Micronauts and did a thing with that and they bought the, the vehicles and, and the properties and they did a tie-in with Marvel. They were quite clever and they go, all right, we've got these toys. Now what we need to do is make some comics yeah, and so- a car- so they, they basically hired Marvel because Marvel had worked with Hasbro previously with G.I. G.I. Joe, creating a backstory for the toys. Yep. And that's why they brought in the comic of the Transformers to try and give a bit of a backstory of where these transforming vehicles came from. Yep. And then after that was when I think the cartoon came out, which, as you said, was just a 22-minute ad for the toys. Mm-hmm. Much the same way that Mask and He-Man. All and of them. Well, that was the thing. Much, there yeah. was something where there was a, in the 84, they bought in a law, the government bought in a law in America where you couldn't do commercials inside a show or something. So I'm not sure how that worked. So instead what they did was they just turned the show show into the commercial so it was, i don't know if there was a show itself because i mean obviously obviously between the shows themselves they were, they were advertising for toys and things like that yeah, exactly unless they banned that i'm not sure but what they did do was like we need to make the show itself the commercial and that's what transformers was so cleverly they tied up with marvel in the same way larry hammer is the god of jojo yep. when they brought in the figures and this and that it's like everyone needs a backstory so the little blurb of each character has here's the history here's his specialties here's the whatever it is they didn't want to do the same thing with marvel and they got jim shooter involved who was the editor-in-chief at the time who is a is a very important person okay. as far as marvel goes but he did the right thing he he got someone involved to write the backstory for these transformers and that wasn't really, I think Hasbro sort of said no and Jim Shooter agreed it wasn't right. Got another guy in who came up with the whole Civil War storyline between warring factions of robots and all this sort of stuff. And So it's pretty much the idea of one guy based on all these different toys and characters going, all right, this guy's Optimus Prime and this guy's this guy and this guy does this thing. And yeah, it's pretty full on, pretty cool and not like you expect from a Saturday morning cartoon, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so it started off as a four-issue miniseries. But 
I think the first run of that that miniseries, I think according to the wiki, it was actually a three part miniseries, and that came out in September '84. So it would have been just after the toys had come out. So it was really the precursor to introducing the toys into the stores. The stores, yeah. yeah so I mean, I don't remember when I first saw one or the other. I just know I remember the cartoon being on the early bird show back in the day, yeah. and it was my favourite part of the early bird show. And I don't know if anyone else remembers here, but the early bird show was a Saturday morning show. That ran from, what, 9 till 12? I think so, yeah. Seemed to go forever. That's only three hours with ads, not much. But it was hosted by Daryl Cotton. The 70s pop star. Yes. And uh, and Marty Monster and the other person. Marie... No, Someone? Marie was from... From Agro. Agro. But it was segments in between cartoons. Yep. So instead of playing a half hour of a cartoon, you literally got a break, a bit of a cartoon, then it would be a segment, then it would be back to commercials, then maybe another segment then maybe if you're lucky back to the cartoon and when you're trying to tape this like you know put on put on VHS and you're trying to pick your moments and you're trying to push record at the right time it was a pain in the butt I can tell you now see I was only just recording the bits with the early bird show dancers so I don't know about you recording cartoons no I just want to transform cartoons because I absolutely loved this yeah so you reckon 85 I think so I was trying to work out when I would have bought my first Transformers toys Mm. and in December 1984 I moved from New South Wales to South Australia yep and I can remember buying Transformers when I was in high school in South Australia, which would be in 85. And I can remember having quite a lot of the mini cars. Yep. And well, the cheaper ones that they were affordable. They were. And I think the first of the big ones I got, I got Prowl, who was the nice. police car. Yep. And I had Soundwave as well, the Decepticon oh, cassette cool. radio. Yep. Yeah, so I think he came with a couple of the mini cassettes, the one that was the sort of panther that turned Ravage. into Ravage. Yeah, I think it might have been yeah. Ravage. And Laserbeak was the bird. Yep. And I think I then bought, is it Rumble or one of them? That, Rumble's that, one of them. Yeah, transformed into the dude with the like, pole drivers for arms. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they were the main big ones that I had. And I remember I was friends with another kid at school that had a Megatron and a bunch of the Decepticon plane, Starscream, the and dick. someone else. Did Megatron have a dick? I don't really oh, yeah, remember. Yeah, because that's what the trigger was. It was a terrible looking figure. Great looking gun. Great looking character in the cartoon. Yeah. But the figure looked terrible. Well, I don't really remember that. I, I kind of remember Optimus Prime when he transformed the main body of the truck was Optimus and then the trailer became something else. Yep. But in the cartoon, every time he transformed, yeah, it just disappeared. Yep. But I also remember when I was younger as well, I think I had some sort of variant misprint of Bumblebee and Cliff Jumper, where I had a red Bumblebee and a yellow Cliff Jumper. I think I remember them. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if I had just knockoff ones. Or I think they were knockoffs, yes. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, I remember my first one was. Power Glide, which is the mini ones, like the mini yeah. ones you said, which is a A10 Thunderbolt aeroplane, yeah. which is the only pet with the only Autobot that could fly at the time. My first big one, I think I got Dirge. I love that as a as a plane. That was mm. one of the Decepticon planes, and I got Hound one Christmas. Was Hound the Jeep? Yeah, yeah, he was pretty cool too. Yeah, and I mean one and a few Christmases later, I got the big ass Jetfire, which I still have and adore. That figure. That was so cool. Yeah. I, I think it probably would have been 85 because I think that I sort think of. It could have even been 84 because 86 was the grade six for me. And I know I was kind of still into Transformers in year seven, but I knew I shouldn't have been because, you know, I'm a big kid now. I shouldn't be buying toys. So it was yeah. very much a, a secret shame, which I have fought back on that secret now okay. and embracing it. But unless I had a massive love for two years on it, I think it I, may I have think been it 84. Would have maybe been. the toys came in 84. I can kind of remember, I sort of based my toy collection on where I was living at mm. the time. And I lived in Adelaide for about 18 months and then I moved to Melbourne. And I can remember just before I moved to Melbourne was when I gave up on Transformers toys and I was buying LJN wrestling figures. Yep. And I think all of my pocket money was going on wrestling figures by the time I'd moved to Melbourne. Yep. So it must have been that sort of 18-month window when I was big into the Transformers. And there was one Christmas there, which I say would be Christmas 85. And I can remember getting all of the Constructicons for Christmas and being able to make oh, Devastator. Now I'm jealous. And I think that... That was when the Insecticons and the Dinobots came out yes, as well. I had an Insecticon. I had one. a lot of Insecticons, and I think I only had one of the Dinobots, but it wasn't. A lot more than it me, wasn't obviously. Grimlock. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately. But um, no, I I did really well for Transformers. I, I think I probably series one of the mini cars. I had the full set. Oh wow! Okay. I, I had tons. I had like this big box just full of them, and I really wish I know what happened to them when I left home because they would probably be worth quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun to have. But I I had GoBots as well, but I, I won't talk about that. No, oh, I was going to bring up GoBots. Well, this is the, that was the first thing I had was a GoBot, and that was. 
Tankor, I think his name was. The oh. names on the GoBots weren't quite as good. Psykill is a great <laughs> name. I will give you that. Leader One's pretty good too. But Tankor, not even really trying. But I remember that's the first one I bought. That was before I got Transformers. And they were die-cast. They were actually better quality than those minis. And I think the cartoon was better too, wasn't it? Oh, that's questionable. Battle of the Rock Lords. Yeah. And because I, I only had the one, I also used a tape dispenser as another figure. <laughs> now, that was my Tanko. I wanted Tanko. I got this, I got the helicopter. I think it was Coptor. That's right. That's yep. what their names are like. Yeah, so I had Coptor first. That was my first one. And a tape dispenser as Tanko for me because, you know. I was pov at the time and only had the one. But yeah. Now, GoBots were my first go-to into the Transforming Robots realm and then Transformers just kicked their butt. Yeah. And considering Transformers is still around, whereas yeah. GoBots is long gone. To an extent. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. So, all right. So, we have this massive toy line that, you know, they've got years of history, technically, that they've just gone and grabbed and recolored them the way they want. So, the existing toys, like Convoy, I think, was the name of... Oh, there was a few names for Optimus Prime. Yeah. But it was different colors, and they made him red for the American market and all this sort of stuff. So, they bought it over, and they made, you know, rewrote this history, or wrote this history for them, and said, okay, here's going forward. This is the Transformers, so that's great. And it was popular. did really well. And then, after a while, the companies that they were buying it from, that Diaclona to they stopped actually making their product and were just using the Transformers version. Okay. So they were still making it, but technically they adopted the Transformers line of characters and were doing it that way. Now, just to clarify, there is so much Transformers out there. We are only talking about G1 at this point because it's just too much and we don't have the time. Yeah. And really, I, I was as just... As far as it's all, I didn't really know too. And that, that's what I was just saying before we, we started recording, that I went through a big stage where I just loved Transformers. I was watching the cartoon as much as I could. But then I kind of grew a little bit older and it just kept going. And mm. I didn't realise just how much Transformers stuff there is out there. Yep. Until probably over the last few years when I've tried to get my kids to watch the original Transformers and they were like, well, this is just a bit crap now. Yeah. And I've found modern versions that my kids have got into. Like my little one quite liked Rescue Bots Mm -hmm. because that is really aimed at younger kids. And I remember McDonald's had Happy Meal toys from Robots in Disguise and they quite liked them. And then we ended up watching a few episodes of Robots in Disguise. So it kind of comes full circle. But yes, let's concentrate more on G1 Transformers. Okay, so it started off as three episodes together just to sort of tell a little mini movie in a way that set up the rest of the series. And it tells the story of the Autobots versus the Decepticons, which is a civil war between these transforming robots from the planet of Cybertron who left the planet millions of years ago in a space arc, crash-landed on Earth, and essentially were in hibernation for millions of years. And they get thawed out, or somehow, I forget how they wake up. They just do. I think they were doing some sort of construction, weren't they? And they were digging into the mountain where they were hiding? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, they go out and unleash, scan the local terrain for for vehicles, and can transform themselves into those vehicles. I mean, there's no real point going into the plots, because, I mean, the early days it was the Decepticons are evil, they want to get Cybertron back, so they've got a space bridge and they're mining the Earth for Energon, which is energy, and they want to send it back, and the Autobots are the, we say, good guys to have to stop them because they want to protect Earth and Earthlings, and there was some story arcs going on, there was some mythos building in it, but essentially it was just like, here's a plan that the Decepticons are doing, and the Autobots are going to stop it, and they shoot lasers at each other that don't hit or don't kill, yep. like in G.I. Joe. No one dies. Not in the series they did. No. But I think the first season was a continuing story arc through the whole of the series. It was basically the Decepticons doing their thing and the Autobots trying to stop. Whereas once they got up to the mythical 65 episodes so they could get syndication, they were a little bit more self-contained in their episodes. And that way, when it did go to syndication, TV stations could just play them in any particular order and it didn't really matter. But back in the day, it did have some of the who's who of TV cards cartoon voiceovers. So Casey Kasem was a voice on a couple of the Autobots. Mm-hmm. The voice of Prime was always done by... Peter Cullen. Yes, and it's continues to be Peter Cullen, voice. who you would also know as being the voice of Eeyore, yeah. if you have kids, mm-hmm. in any of the Winnie the Pooh cartoons. And I don't think Transformers was Hanna-Barbera, but Frank Welker actually gets a mention again, because he seems to come up anytime we're talking about cartoons, but he actually did the voice of Soundwave. And Megatron. Oh, did he? Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't realise he did Megatron as yes, well. Yes. So a bit of a who's who of cartoons. And they're just iconic voices to me. I mean, Sandwise's voice is awesome because it's just had that effect on it. And Optimus is just amazing. Yeah. And I think, was it um, it Scatman Crothers that did jazz? Yep. Who was also Hong Kong Fooey? Yes. 
So yeah, so he's got very much an iconic voice as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, as a kid listening to them, the fact that you go from watching cartoons where the characters don't really have a character to having individual voices doing individual characters, it was a big deal. I was, I mean, other cartoons up until that point, you know, like we talked about our Josie and the Pussycats or Scooby Doo or any of those Hanna Barbera sort of ones where it's the same plot every week with the same characters. It's only the one central villain essentially is different. Yep. Even Herculoids, and we're talking twenty years before with Herculoids, but essentially it was the same plot regurgitated every time this was that but with a bigger array of characters and the fact they were transformers they were cool oh my god that's modern vehicles and they're all doing these things it was like oh these are the best things ever and the toys were so good and good quality and the fact that the price range was in the toys too so you could buy a seven or eight dollar whatever the mini ones were yeah up to whatever optimus prime was worth yeah i think probably optimus was the most expensive of them like at the, the early days the big ones. you bought in omega supremes and yeah. metroplexes and things like that like, i don't really remember how much the little mini cars were but i can remember there was ones that were kind of the bargain bin ones i think in series two there was an autobot spaceship don't you dis cosmos <laughs> next thing you go to say Beachcomb was terrible and the hovercraft was bad. Don't you dare. Uh, see, I was. I was going to no. say they weren't quite as well detailed and their transforming was almost as bad as the GoBots. You are a snob and for transforming robots. Despite the fact that I really liked him and he had the highest strength level when you look through Braun. the red thing. Yeah, Braun. His arms always shit me when I was a kid and they still shit me now. Wrecker was pretty bad too. Was he? Yeah. Was he the, Huff. Was Huff. He the orange tow truck? No, that was Huff. <laughs> okay. See, it's all coming back now. Mm. But yes, so the series itself ran for a couple of years, The just the original. Well, you had two in, seasons. Yes. Which was 65 episodes. Then they did the movie. And that's what I was just about to get to. So the movie was kind of... Another commercial. Yes, very much. And then they decided that they wanted to bring in another range of toys. Well, I mean, the idea was, I guess this is what happens with toys, is you don't just keep bringing out the same toy and put it on the shelf for years. So those toys have done their shelf life, so it's time to bring in a new wave of toys. Yep. So we need to bring in a new wave of characters. Yeah, and I guess that's the difference between your Transformers and your He-Man. Whereas He-Man, they could bring in Thunder Punch He-Man and Battle Damage He-Man yep. and that sort of stuff. Is They didn't really do that with Transformers. Well, they did that with Batman. Because like, when Batman the Animated Series came out, it was Sub-Zero Batman. Yeah. Fireproof Batman, Volcano Batman, Jungle Fatigues Batman. You could not buy a basic Batman figure after the third year. Yeah. It didn't exist. You could only buy a variation of the Batman figure. But I don't remember that with Transformers. I always remember they just had pretty much one of each character. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's when, obviously, people already had a Prime. You don't need to buy another one. Yep, so with the movie... Itself, they bought it in going, all right, so they killed off a bunch of characters, like, including Optimus Prime and Megatron. Um, they bought back Megatron by rejigging him and turning him into Galvatron, and they turned a character Hot Rod into Rodimus Prime. So they pretty much killed off a lot. Bumblebee and Brawn and those sort of characters did die in the movie, which was yeah. pretty horrific for some kids going off to long watch a cartoon. And Bumblebee swears in the movie too, which is a bit was it, Is it Bumblebee or is it the, the, the human that's with Bumblebee. Bumblebee? Oh, shit, he says. Yeah, a- but apparently you can get away with that in a PG movie if you only use it once. Once, yes. And it's the context you say it in. Mm. You can't say, he's having a shit, but <laughs> you can just say, oh shit. Yeah. So that's all right. Yeah, so um, there was, this movie was a big sort of tie between season two and three yep. and the introduction of a brand new toy line. Now, I always consider this the end of G1, which I'm wrong, but I always thought that was the case because after Rodimus and all that, I, I thought that must be G2, but no, I was wrong on that. It all, the next season and, well, it's not quite a full season for season season four, but the next two seasons is the continuation of this storyline. And that's with Rodimus Prime in charge, except there was a bit of a backlash with the killing of Optimus Prime. And people didn't like Rodimus as much, because if you look at the figure now, or the car, it's a shit car. Optimus is awesome. Yeah, so there was a letter-writing campaign, a lot of disgruntled children, and they brought back Optimus at the end of season three from memory. Yeah, because I don't know if it was as popular or not, or maybe the toys weren't as popular, but yeah, I must have been out by this phase. I don't remember a lot of this. I don't know on my Geek Do's podcast, friends of mine, they're a few years younger than me, and they've got a fonder memory of Rodimus than I ever did. So I don't know if I just didn't catch the episodes. I don't know if Early Bird Show was finished by that point, and they were watching it at a time I wasn't watching. Maybe it was on Cheese TV by then. Oh, I wonder, I would that be 90s? I don't know. I don't but, know. Yeah. yeah, so I totally missed that era. Of, I, I, so for me, it's it's that OG Transformers, and it stopped with the movie. 
I kind of agree there. I think I probably stopped watching it after the movie as well. I don't really remember Series 3 and, and that. Because going stuff. back and watching things now, you've got characters like Cup and things like that with all these Cybertronian designs, and I just don't like them. I want them to look like my vehicles. Some of the quality of the toys was quite interesting when they came along too, the second wave, because, you know, there were sort of die-cast pieces on something like Hound had metal and things like that, and then they brought out these Cybertronian characters like post the movie, and they just seemed shittier quality to me. Yeah. And it really did seem like they were just trying to cash in on more toys, yeah, which they things, probably were. Oh, was it Omega Supreme? No, I don't know. I don't really have that much of a memory oh, of the plastic. toys after it's the first really couple of really plastic seasons. where, I mean, my Jetfire was essentially a Veritech Robotech fighter. Yeah, exactly. But that was metal. That was all die cast. Yep. That was expensive and... You could kill someone by hitting him with that. I kind of remember even though, like even Series 2 of the figures, some of them were starting to be a little less quality. Soundwave was, I think, had quite a lot of metal in it. Yeah, and then they bought out Blaster. Blaster, and a Blaster was just plastic. plastic yeah. It just felt cheap. And there was another, There was a. I think it was a Decepticon that turned into a space train or something. And just the detail of it, once it was transformed, was just like this light grey dildo-looking thing (laughs) (laughs) that I don't remember being a very good toy. But anyway. So it was sort of weird. So I I didn't fall out of love with Transformers. I just unfortunately hit that high school age where it wasn't cool to be into toys and who was I playing with? I didn't have any brothers or anything like that. So I stopped. Hmm. I held on a little bit because my younger cousins were still into it so I could sort of vicariously play through them. Yeah, and I just sort of didn't think about Transformers much for years so for me it sort of ended for a while but we'll just go through a list of shows actually that it did have because there was a first run what we call the first four seasons essentially makes up 98 episodes of the cartoon then what happened was they did another series called Headmasters which I do not remember at all so I don't know if it aired in Australia but I don't remember it it went for 35 episodes from 86 to 87 then in Japan they went off and made their series which was Transformers Super God Master Force which is a great name (laughs) Sounds so Japanese, though, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Um, then there was a show from 89 to 90. There was Transformers Victory for 44 episodes. There was a one OAV, I think they call it, which is just an original video Transformers Zone in Japan. Then Challenge of the Gobots was 65 episodes in 85 to 91. Now, the reason I say this is because, yes, they were not officially Transformers, but in 91, they did get bought out by Hasbro. So they are officially now part of the Part of Canada. Yes. Okay. So that's the only reason I bring up GoBots, that they're technically part of it in another universe. But yes, they are part of it. Then we get Transformers Generation 2. Now this is where I was confused. So this is from 92 to 94 with 52 episodes, and I couldn't tell you what that one was about. But what I do remember was putting my toe back in the Transformers world was in 96, it was Transformers Beast Wars. Now I don't know if you... I, attention at this point? I do kind of remember Beast Wars because around that time was when I first got Foxtel mm-hmm. and I got a funny feeling that Beast Wars was on the Cartoon Network because I do kind of remember watching Transformers when I got Foxtel and it wasn't my original Transformers. Yep. That's, yeah, so. Now I remember this because there was a show before that called Reboot which was awesome. I yep. really love Reboot and that was done by Mainframe Entertainment which was a Canadian production company and after reboot they got this transformers line so i watched it and i remember at the time people saying it's actually really well written it's not a shitty i mean yes there is a toy tie-in with it and stuff but they're actually expanding on the law it's really well written it's really clever the voice acting's very good so i checked it out and i do remember it being quite good and was that cgi or was that hand drawn yes computer graphics yeah i thought it was like reboot yeah yeah that's what mainframe do and it was it was quite good i really impressed i went back and watched some last year doesn't hold that up. That 1990s computer graphics is not great. And I, I think that's where the problem lies with a lot of this sort of stuff, whereas CGI has gone leaps and bounds, yes. and early CG looks very much oh, like early yeah. CG, yes. whereas hand-drawn stuff didn't really evolve that much. So you can watch something that's hand-drawn and still appreciate it, whereas the CG, yeah, yeah it sort of falls down quite a bit more. Yeah, so I think Japan must... They had a, a cell, like a hand-drawn... Beast Wars cartoon, which was Beast Wars 2 Super Lifeform Transformers. Then we had a, they had a second one, Super Lifeform Transformers Beast Wars Neo. Then we had Beast Machines, which was another 26 episodes from 1999 to 2000, which doesn't seem that long ago. But you go back and watch it and it looks rough. Yep. Then we got back, and I, forgive me for not knowing which one's computer graphics, which one's hand-drawn animation, but from, in 2000 we had Transformers Robots in Disguise. In 2002 we had Transformers Armada. In 2004 we had Transformers 
Transformers Energon. In 2005, we had Transformers Cybertron. In 2007, we got Transformers Animated. In 2010, we had Transformers Prime, which I remember having The Rock doing the voice of Cliffjumper in the very first five minutes of the show, but he dies after that. So okay. Then we have 2012 to 2016, Transformers Rescue Bots, which you know a little bit more about. Then 2013 to 2014, we have Transformers Go with an explanation mark. 2015, we have Transformers Robots in Disguise. And last year, we got on, on the Machinima Network online, yep. we got Transformers Combiner Wars. And from what I remember, the first couple of those Combiner Wars were actually really good. And then it just became too much of a mindfuck. Okay. And... Yeah, it just wasn't quite the same. So it's been pretty constant and varied. It's not like it's you know yeah, that, regurgitate the same thing. They are all slightly different to each other. I do kind of remember watching something sort of the mid to early 2000s where there was a female Transformer that was a scooter, I think she was. Mm-hmm. And I can remember watching a few episodes of that. And again, that sort of ties into what you were saying you were watching Reboot. At that stage, the Ultimate Muscle cartoon was on okay. on Cartoon Network and I was watching that and Transformers would be the show that came on after that. And occasionally I would just hang around and watch that as well. Well, I do remember they did a phase, I forget what that, which one of those it was, but it was essentially the original Transformers cartoon with... Peter Cullen narrating as, as Optimus over the top, saying, this is the adventure when this happened. But in between each scene, what you got in the original cartoon was that famous sting where you got that Transformers musical sting and it'll go from a like Autobot to Decepticon logo. Yeah. would swoop over and transition between scenes. Then they brought in the Cybertronian Cosmic Cube or something. And it was this computer graphics where it would like literally the cube would go... And you'd rotate around and go to the other scene. And it would take probably two seconds, which is a long time when you're transitioning. And it's annoying. And especially if you've only got a short 20-second scene before you go to another one. And you got this transform again. And it was kind of cool the first time I saw it. And it got really old really quick. But I wasn't you know, being super fond of the Transformers at the time. But I do. I Like I said, I, I put my foot in the water every now and then. When you see a Transformers, you go, oh, I'm going to go check that out. As I said before, like when the kids started watching Robots in Disguise, I must say that when they started watching it, they were like, oh, I'm not sure if I like this. And I was very much encouraging them going, yeah, this is good. We should stick with yeah. it. And I've probably seen at least the first two seasons of Robots in Disguise. Okay. And I, I highly recommend it. It's very Japanese in its animation. Mm-hmm. And it focuses on more Bumblebee. So it's, it's after. post movie. Yeah, it's all post movie. And Michael Bay movie, yeah. Basically, the Transformers have all left Earth, and Bumblebee then comes back with a small group of galactic police vehicles, and they're trying to track down the rogue Decepticons that are still left here on Earth. But again, they're pretty good stories. The, the animation's nice. There's a good rapport going on between. Grimlock and the police character who I can't remember the name of right now and I really liked it my kids like it and you know it encouraged them to ask for Transformers for Christmas so we ended up buying a few of the, that series of the Transformers for my youngest so yeah yeah, cool. Right, so we, we we mentioned the movie. Yes. So there is a series of films now, a, a juggernaut of Hollywood blockbusters, I suppose you'd call them, the Transformers movies, which I never thought we'd see a Transformers movie. And then when they announced Michael Bay is going to make one, I was like, okay, Michael Bay was Michael Bay at the time. He wasn't the Michael Bay of now, but it's like, oh, yeah, this could be fun. And then, you know, I remember the, oh, this is what Optimus is going to look like. And it's like, he's not a... A flat nose. Yeah, he's not a, a Kenworth anymore. They've turned him into Peter Builder or a Mac or something. It's like, he's not a Freightliner. What are you doing? It's like, yeah. that's wrong. And oh, he's Bumblebee. It's like, he's a Camaro. It's like, there were so many things that were just wrong with it. But it's like, hey, they're making Transformers film. I'm, I'm willing to go this. And I remember going to see this movie and it was freaking awesome. I remember at the time, it's like, I was seeing a Transformers movie and I couldn't fault it at the time. It was like, Sam Witwicky was a bit of annoying, but. The transforming looked great. The special effects were amazing. And, and the guess, sound design. Like, yeah. So many things about it were just, I really dug it. It's like, this is great. And it doesn't hold up. I understand that now. And I look back and I, I, I want to go rewatch it. And you've got dogs pissing on Transformers' legs and stupid things in there. And I understand that. And, and Child of is actually really freaking annoying. And the Allspark doesn't quite make sense. But it still felt right. They kind of do some things right. One of the big issues that I had with it is a lot of the Transformers just look the same. Mm. So when they're in robot form and they're fighting, it's like, well, who's who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? The things I did like with it is even though they're CG, a lot of them feel like there's a lot of weight. Yes. 
And even that, I, is, is it the first one or is it the second one where I think they're lowering Prime down from helicopter and they sort of drop him on the tarmac of the of the airfield and it just feels like it's real. Yeah. And even in that first one where the big scorpion thing comes up out of the sand as well, that just moment. the realism of it. Yeah, and the and helicopter taking everything down. Just those bits were awesome. Like, yeah. I will not let anyone shit on those movies for, for elements of it. The plot, yeah, that falls over. Sam Webwicky's a pain in the butt. But there's so much good in it. Yep. It's like, this is great. And I felt, I hadn't felt that way in a movie for a long time. Where I want to go to a movie, I want to see something I haven't seen before. You know, if I can help it with a blockbuster yep. like that. And I came away going, that was great. I had a ball. And it's the first one where they've got that massive speech by Prime right at the yeah. end. Yeah, yeah, I was ready to go to space and bring them all back. I was like, thank you. Peter Cullen came back to do Optimus Prime because no one else can do that voice. No. But they didn't get Frank Welker to do Megatron. They got they got Hugo Weaving in, which they said that Frank Welker's voice had aged too much to be good for Megatron. I think he's Megatron in the latest movie now. I think okay. Hugo didn't come back. So he is doing it. And any cartoons subsequent to the movies, any Megatron, it is still Frank Welker. That, that movie was... It did what it did. Made a lot of money, turned Michael Bay into what he is today, and obviously they made a sequel. Now, the problem with the sequel was they had a movie, they had a title, they had a release date, they also had a writer's strike in Hollywood, so it's like, we can't write, but we have to make a film. So what they had to do was start a movie without a script, which you can sort of work around. So it's like, we've got these set pieces we have to make, and that movie kind of works in those set pieces. Yeah. And there's a little bit of plot in between. Unfortunately, you've got Devastator, which doesn't look anything like my Devastator. Like, it's such a good design, like where you combine all these construction vehicles into this giant big green robot, and they make him look like a big round thing with testicles. And I was Climbing like, up the side of the yeah. pyramids. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, the designs let it down for me, but like I said, the weight is good, and the and the, the actions seems to be directed well. So, um, yeah, so that, that movie didn't quite work. It did okay, mate a lot of money back-ended through a writer's strike so you're sort of going alright we'll forgive it because of the problems with making that film then we get to episode 3 so what was the, the, the colon subtitle of the second one was that Dark Side of the Moon or is the third one Dark Side of the Moon because I I think I have only seen the first two of these I, I don't think I've even bothered with any of the later ones well the second one burnt a lot of people because it was so bad what stereotypically racist yeah, that like, was in black that one. twins yep. was it the and, can't read yeah yes. and as you said Devastator's test was flying around on the when he's climbing up the mountain. I'm not even going to mention Megan Fox's hammer thumbs, but yeah, there was just something about them. The fact that it had, as you said, it had all the potential, and then it it kind of went nowhere. They got good people in. Like the thing with Michael Bay is because he films things so well, like in The Rock and things like that. You know, he goes to the army, go, we're going to make this movie, and they go, oh, you can have what you want. You want helicopters? You want jets? You can have them because he makes them look appealing, and mm. people go and join up the army after watching a Michael Bay film. That's why he gets access to that. But he also got John Turturro in there. And I adore John Turturro. He's one of my favourite actors. So I will watch him do just about anything. So I was like, he's in Transformers film? I'm in. And he's great in it. I think he's fantastic. Revenge of the Fallen is the second one. So the first one is Transformers, then Revenge of the Fallen, then Dark of the Moon, then Age of Extinction, then The Last Night. I definitely haven't seen Age of Extinction or The Last Night. I haven't seen The Last Night at this stage, but I do plan on it. But yeah, I'm just not really that rushed. Yeah. Because yeah, so the third one happened. So I'm thinking, all right, there was a writer strike for two. That was the problem. So they'll fix that. They've got a script this time. It'll be fine. The third one's going to be okay. And they got rid of Megan Fox because of all the issues apparently she has. But they kept Shia LaBeouf. And it's just, Optimus just seems to be grumpy. The character, they're getting Optimus wrong. The storylines are just a bit shit. Oh, the product placement gets worse and worse. Yeah. And, and you've got John Malkovich playing a comedy role in it for 15 minutes. So I don't know what's going on as far as who they're getting in for paydays and hows and whys, but there's just some stupid product placement. But what you do get is John Turturro and his German bodyguard, Alan Tudyk, and every scene there in a phenomenal. So it's, unfortunately, you forgive a lot of the movies because so many things they get right. And then it's like, but it's so wrong otherwise. And there's some huge moments in those movies. Like when they take down Chicago in that, it's massive. It's, it's worth seeing. The special effects you cannot fault. Like they spend the money... And it's directed well. It's just the plot in between is just terrible. They did the fourth one, got rid of Shia LaBeouf, and bought him Mark Wahlberg because he's found a Transformer. Yeah, see, that I definitely haven't seen any of the Mark Wahlberg ones. Again, there's just plot points. It's just like, why? It's like, it's it's just make it simple. And it, it just seems to be excess for no reason. And there's justification for underage sex. 
for no reason. It's a Transformers movie, a movie about toys. It, that's all. That's what this is, a movie about toys. And Mark Wahlberg's incredibly hot daughter, you know why she's hot? Because the camera lingers on her like she's hot. Literally following her upstairs like in a little Daisy Duke cut-off shorts. But that's been Underage the problem with daughter. all of the movies. That's like, like I remember yes. in that very first one where they're in the college dorm room with mm. uh, Megan Fox for the first time. Yes. So you've got this overprotective daddy, Mark Wahlberg, with his you know underage daughter, and he finds out she's dating this guy who's old, or like he's over 18. It's like, what are you doing? And essentially, without saying the words, you can't have sex. But then <laughs> the boyfriend pulls out a laminated card out of his wallet, telling him, which is a you know which is the Romeo and Juliet law from that, that county or that, that state that says that if you have a relationship of this age from this age, you are allowed to have a sexual relationship. What the fuck is that doing in a kid's toy commercial? It, it, seriously, it is ridiculous. <laughs> and this is why Michael Bay is a bit of a creep. Yep. So there's that. And it's just a long movie and it's just nothing. Mm. It's, it's, it's just not that much. But you're bringing um, Stanley Tucci into it now, who's yep. awesome. It's like, oh, I can watch John Turturro on Stanley Tucci in a movie with giant robots. Great. Unfortunately, it's this movie. Yeah. And you can also watch that scene with Stanley Tucci standing on the roof of the building, lingering a bit too long on the drinking of the fruit box or whatever yes, it is. Just so like that is for China. Place that's that really popular in China. But uh, yeah, so. I haven't got to the latest film, but they still exist. But apparently Michael Bay says this is the last one. He's going to hand it off now. I'm hoping that's the case because I want to see someone else's take on this because there is good Transformers there to be made. John Cena is starring in a Bumblebee movie, which is set in the 80s apparently, and he will be a Volkswagen at some point. So I was like, good. Hmm. make Just make different Transformers films. Don't continue on this storyline because you keep fucking it up. Just make Transformers films. Yeah. In the same way that we've got multiple Batmans, that's fine. Give me another take on it. I don't care about about the canon that has been created in the movies. But I do want to see a good Transformers film. So don't stop making them. Just make some good ones. Hmm. So th- we've got movies. So that's that's we've had the TV show. Yep. We've had movies. And you said it started as a comic. Yes. So and you've mentioned on many occasions that it was Transformers comics that started your love of comics. That's correct. Because like I've said it plenty of times, that I had to sit through that bloody early bird show where they'd cut the segments up of Transformers by a bit and you might miss one here or there. And, and I used to go to the footy too. So I'd probably miss the last bit of it because I'd have to leave to go to the footy. Yeah, footy. Anyway. So you probably even missed the classic muddy monster rolling over the barrel no and his head falling that. off. It's been shown that many times. No. Or well, the fight with a kangaroo? Yes. See, that? that's what you watch the early bird show for. Yeah. So I saw a Transformers comic in the, in the news. I was like, this is awesome. I can read this whenever I want. Not when fucking Marty Monster tells me I can watch it. That's what got me into it. So comics exist. So I bought comics for a while and from that I expanded into the rest of it. And this was done by Marvel Comics. Yep. Like, as we said earlier, Marvel sort of did it. And technically, Spider-Man was in one issue. You could say it's in the Marvel Universe, but apparently the, the Marvel Universe, if you go into any comic book shop or news agency, a Marvel comic that's generally set in the 616 universe, that's what they call it. So there's the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there's the Ultimate Universe, and there's the 616, which is that universe. Okay. Apparently, they're saying now that the Transformers character, that was the 80214 universe or something okay. like that. So it's not canon anymore. But Marvel did it, and they ran... For 80 issues with the original writer writing for the first 30 or so. And then from then on, a guy called Simon Furman took over and he wrote the next until issue 80. Now, Simon Furman, if you're a G.I. Joe fan, Larry Hammer is the guy. Simon Furman is that guy for the Transformers. Like after the initial run, he took over and pretty much steered the Transformers ship in a direction. He didn't have to tie it into the cartoons or anything. He pretty much stayed with the original G1 characters, like the Optimus-led G1. And he told his story. So, so from 84 to 91, he wrote for Marvel doing the comics. But something was weird back in the 80s where Marvel UK was a different thing. It was they'd create their own comics in the United Kingdom. And there's actually 332 issues of the Transformers comic over there, which Simon Furman also wrote. Was that due to different distribution laws or the fact that it was costing them too much to send comics from the States over to England? I think, that, well, I remember we used to get Australian comics here at some point as well. If you go to some news agent, it was a US cover price of a dollar or there was an Australian cover price of a dollar fifty, and it was printed on the front. So okay. maybe they were printed here and they probably had a different printer over there or they had the rights to it over there, how it works. So it was coming out through Titan Books as well, some sort of collaboration. But it had its own popularity and they sort of did two stories in one and they were black and white. It was all very different. Australia used to do that back in the 70s and 80s here. We'd get four comics in one black and white hmm. with an Australian I print. I do kind of remember back when I was a kid living in England, not in Wales, in England. Yeah. 
that the comics were very different there. They were more sort of on the newsprint sort of, yep. and they were more a collection of strips in one magazine. So you had like your Beano and your Dandy mm-hmm. and that sort well, of stuff. Well, this did have a backup strip, a comedy strip in one point okay. and others. So yeah, but it was very popular and it ran from 84 to 92, but there was like 300 issues there. So that went for a little while. So that was all kind of cool. Now, I didn't realise it went for that long. I got out of Transformers comics and into everything else at the time. That's fine because depending on what my news agent bought in. So I yep. must have stopped buying it. And then I do remember like at the time there was an artist called Simon Bisley who does very nice painterly stuff but even his ink and line work without the paint is still quite dynamic and extreme and a lot of people aped his work back then and it, it was cool stuff. And in 93 Marvel bought out Transformers Generation 2 and I remember it being very want to be Simon Bisley light artwork and all this sort of stuff and they're okay. sort of playing around with liquid metal being what they transform like. So around that sort of time in the 90s though, that was when comics had the big boom with, say Todd McFarlane was really popular yes. with his Spider-Man and Spawn and that sort of yes. stuff, wasn't it? It was, so, was post-image, yeah. I would say, yes. Yeah, so everyone was trying to get back on the comics bandwagon and at that stage. extreme. I just, yeah, well, Marvel was around, but yeah, they were trying to, any commodity that would work and how can we go extreme? And it was like, this isn't your daddy's Transformers. Yeah. It was very violent, that first issue. I remember. Yeah, and I think at that stage, comics went from being seen as being a kid's sort of thing to being a very adult thing. Uh, to an extent. I mean, they yeah. sort of pushed it. But yeah, I mean, Transformers, they, I, the collecting market was probably aging. So trying to get those Transformers fans back again might have been what they were doing. And it could be really the fact that the kids that were watching the Transformers back in the 80s were sort of 10-year-olds, and now they're... 20-year-olds in the 1993. Well, it suckered me in. Yeah, exactly. Now. And it was during the time of the gimmick cover. So the first issue was gatefold cover. So there was a split down the middle with cardboard and you had Optimus face on the front and you open the gatefold and it was all damaged and shut up and sort of you can okay. see through behind. It was like, I remember that being cool. See, I'd probably fall for that gimmick too. Yeah. yeah. So that ran only for 12 issues. It wasn't super popular. I don't remember finishing it, to be honest. And then this is when I remember getting back into it. So in 2002... Dreamweave was a upstart comic company with the guys from Udon, which is a, if you know, Street Fighter comics and a few things like that. It's very anime-inspired artwork, very okay. clean, nice, probably manga-inspired in the fact that Dreamweave and Udon were a art house. Okay. So you didn't have one artist that was sort of like, oh, it's a team. Because a lot of people look at the quality of the art in a lot of manga and go, that's really good. How's one person do it? It's like, it doesn't. Mm. There is one guy sort of, almost like animation where you've got a guy doing layouts and put someone else to do backgrounds and someone else to do this and that. And that's how they get such good quality so often. So Dreamweave got the rights to Transformers. And I remember the artwork when this was coming out in the news, like the comic news that I was reading. It's like, this is on its way. And it's like, this is beautiful. It was like gorgeous artwork. It's like, I can't wait. And the first issue had well, these three mercenary soldiers sitting around a campfire and just this giant hand comes through the bushes and crushes the dude and kills him and it was Megatron I was like this is fucking awesome like it just <laughs> it looked like the cartoon like the artwork is really nice and clean and dynamic and it was just a really good story the first six issues and it was great I was super excited I bought every cut co- because it was multiple covers at the time as well they sucked me in so I, I got every single cover because they had different covers <laughs> it, it was just really good and Dreamweave so it was art by Pat Lee I think his name was and and Pat Lee and his brother owned Dreamweave and screwed over a lot of people. Oh, that's a shame. A lot of artists and a lot of this and a lot of that. And they drove around in their Ferraris, but yeah, they fucked up a bit. So the Dreamweave comics went from 2002 to 2004. They did produce quite a bit in that time. Mm-hmm. But yes, it, it died in the butt eventually because of money owings. And then IDW, which is a very good comic company, picked it up in 2005 and it has gone... I don't know if it's gone from strength to strength, but it is constant. There is um, multiple books out currently with Transformers in the title. And I did buy early days stuff. There was a storyline called All Hail Megatron. It was fantastic. I was like, this is awesome. I can't wait to see where they're going with this. And I, I could, actually. <laughs> um, no, I read the first two trades worth, a okay. couple months book, and it was good. But yeah, it sort of just went into serial after that, going, I don't care. But it felt important that first six issues go... It was sort of like Megatron 1, okay. and it took over the world. And you're going, this is fascinating. Like, this is this is great. Yeah, so the IDW stuff is, is really good. But, yeah, now it's got to a point where it's like, where do you start? Like, there was so yeah. much out there. I typed in today, I had a look in Comixology, and it's just chockers. Like, I don't know. And the problem with Comixology is it doesn't give you a good starting point. There's no chronological. It's just like, here's all the Transformers books. It's like, well, which is the first one? It's like, mm. There is plenty out there should you go looking for it. But there is one... 
thing I do remember, just a little anecdote here. Back in the day, I used to... I, I bought any comics I could see. Like, if they were around in newsagents or whatever, I'd pick up what I could. And every now and then, you'd see these bagged bagged bundles of comics from Blackthorn Comics. And Blackthorn are these black and white comics, and they just did some really dodgy, like, radioactive adolescent hamsters, which is a cash-in on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They did Gumby. They did Duckbots. And they just did these things. But you'd buy them because it was a bundle of five, and it was, like, two bucks or something and all that sort of thing. And every now and then, you get a little Transformers 3D comic in there. And it was just this... Okay. A terrible, crappy quality, but I just loved all that sort of stuff because it's just comics you don't see around. I don't know who and what they were. and It actually made me excited about, I want to go investigate what, what the hell Blackthorn Black was because they were just so weird. They had weird licenses. And they were allowed to publish, apparently. It was all official. But yeah, okay. so it was sort of like during the time of others. But that, that's comics. So Transformers, been around. Movies, TV, toys, comics. Yes. It's one thing I haven't touched on. Yeah, well, looking at our run sheet here, the last two and a half, three pages is actually broken down to Transformers-related video games. Yeah. Now, we're not going to tell you about them all. There is too no. many. So, I didn't realise that the games went back as far as it did. I obviously know the current generation, or even last generation now, Fall of Cybertron and War for Cybertron games. Yes. Because I think you've got both of those. I do. Yeah. And they do feel like good games They're from awesome what, games, I've, what yes. I've seen of them. Mm-hmm. I never realised that the Transformers line of games started way back even with Commodore 64s. Yep. So, and even there was a Super Nintendo and a Nintendo 64 game, wasn't there? Yeah. But I guess that would have been around the time where I was off the Transformers bandwagon. Mm-hmm. So back in the 80s, I'm sure the Commodore 64 game was around, but I've mentioned a few times on other episodes that I never really had a Commodore 64, so I kind of missed that whole era of gaming, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a shame. Unfortunately, no Atari 2600 Transformers games. No. So, yes. Yeah, so I, I remember... I had a it was a Sega computer so it was essentially it was a it was a keyboard and you put a cartridge inside you could either play games by putting cartridges inside or you had an operating system cartridge that you put inside and you you know you used to record onto like cassette tapes and you could program onto that and things like that but one of the games I had on it was August which wasn't a transformer because I didn't know what the difference between Japanese and American cartoons really back then so there was this August and it was probably more like Robotech than anything but you could be upright robot-y sort of thing or fly and it was just that left to right flying shooting sort of game mm. but it was the best thing ever but yes that was on that Sega okay. game but yeah so there's lots of games now I do remember get giving a promotional PlayStation 2 disc for a Transformers game at one of the cons I went to unfortunately I didn't have a PlayStation 2 so I couldn't play it but I did spend a lot of time playing that game at the convention itself but yeah so there's, there's plenty of games over the time even the GameCube had a Revenge of the Fallen game. So that's how long ago these movies have been around now. So yeah, well, I think it was 2007 that the first of those Michael Bay movies came out. So yeah. Yep. So we've got every one of the Michael Bay movies has got a game up until now. I don't think the last night got a game okay. for the consoles I'm talking about. And they've all got questionable any good. The ones you've talked about is Fall of and War of Cybertron are fantastic. Apparently there's one on the PlayStation 2, which is Transformers. The game is very good. Like, that holds up, but I'm not going to go get a PlayStation 2 just to play it. But apparently that's good. But I do have the DS Transformers game based on the original movie, mm. which is a bit shite. Okay. That's what you get. But um, and, and there's a lot of those sort of but nowadays, clicker type iOS That's where it is games, now. There it? are so many on the iOS. I actually put a list together and there's at least one, two, three, four. There's nine on there. So, okay. yeah, that's where all these sort of things go, which is a shame because one thing I do like is playing my media tie-in games on the Xbox. I love the Marvel movies when I've got Iron Man and Thor and Captain America on the Xbox games. Yes, they weren't the games, but I did like it. Well, I, I agree. I, I think that X-Men Wolverine Origins game is probably one of my favourite games I've played on Xbox. It is a great, yeah. So, it's like it's a shame that, yes, they, now everything's getting thrown onto the iOS, but I, I, I just don't want to play games on there. Not those sort of games. Games. You know, I want an adventure game, that's fine, but I don't want to play an adventure game on my on my device. Yeah, well, the controllers aren't there. Your device is just there for like, you know, your five minutes while you're waiting in the line. Or, and know. a lot of the games are that now, but mm. I want a really good Transformers game, and I got that with War of Cybertron, and I was like, I want another one. Mm. Give me another one. Yeah, so some of the games on there, there is a Angry Birds Transformers crossover. There's a Runner. There's a Rescue Bots Heroes Adventures. There's a Rescue Bots Disaster Dash Hero Run. So they're the iOS games that you sort of know. They just put a skin, a Transformers skin over. Yeah, exactly. Them. And there's a lot of fighting sort of ones. I did try a few 
of those, and there's a lot of um, maybe I don't like real time strategy games, but I think there's a Transformers strategy. Game. I, I think there is, yeah, and I'm that f- might be perfect. It's hmm. just I don't play those games, but it's just like, oh, just give me another War of Cybertron, goddamn it! Is there a match three type Transformers game? I'm I sure there wouldn't would be. find one. Hmm. I did look. Who knows? Yeah, there's a Forge to Fight, which I think is a card based sort of one where it's, yeah, just like, it's not what I want. Just, yeah, exactly. I want to transform and drive. Oh, I mean, we talked War of and Fall of Cybertron are fantastic games. They're really good. They're third person shooters, which are great. But there's one we I have got as well, which is Transformers Devastation, which is actually cell shaded and it looks like the cartoon from the eighties. And that that was a fun romp. It was just that sort of like a bit monotonous because you're fighting the same robots again and again, and then you'll get to a into level boss. So you might get a you know a character you remember going, oh that's Devastator, or that's this, that's that. But that's at the end of the left. But you are going through a lot of the same robots to get to that point. But it was fun. It was fun, and the nostalgia was great. Where War of Cybertron and Fall of just awesome. And, I mean, there's, there's some climactic cinematic pieces in that where you're fighting Metroplex or you're seeing Metroplex and you're playing a big-ass robot, but when you come up a city-sized robot, it's fucking huge and awesome. And it's cinematic. It's great. Yeah. The other thing with those games is they're the third person. You're looking over the shoulder yep. of your Transformer. It's all done on the Unreal Engine, which is mm-hmm. probably where most of the games we play are Unreal Engine games. So yep. it is your wheelhouse of games. Oh, yeah. And the sound's right. Like you said about before with the movies that the weight, they had weight. Yeah. These these have weight. Like when they run, it's clunk, clunk, clunk. And everything's metal, so everything's making noise. And doors transform. They don't just open. So all the sound design is perfect. The guns are huge. Big-ass explosions. And they're just like, yeah, this feels right. This is awesome. Mm. Can't recommend those games enough. And I, I want a new one for the new generation of consoles. Bring it, please. I think the others sold well enough. I don't know why they haven't. But, yeah, they always bring out, with the Michael Bay movies, they bring out tie-ins and none of them have been recommended. Because every day and then it's like, oh, I want a Transformer 6. What's that game worth? See if they got one on special. Because you go to the Xbox marketplace. They're never cheap. No. And they should be. Go down to 10 bucks and I'll buy it. Although occasionally you do see the, the War for Cybertron and Fall of Cybertron yeah, but quite cheap. But yeah, exactly. They're the ones that I don't want. I want the others just because I want to play something else. But yeah, so it's so looking at it, it's a huge franchise. Oh, it's a massive franchise. so many things. And as I said, when I was a kid, I remember really being into it. And it's kind of like it's big again now. But looking through the list here, it It never never really went away. It's it's like turtles. Yeah, it's been constant the whole time from early 80s. And here we are now in 2017. And as much as Michael Bay wants to try and kill it, it's still around. Yeah. So, I mean, I still, I've spent a little bit of money on the old Transformers in the last couple of years. I bought myself, what what they realised, obviously, with the movies and the games and this and that, that there were old dickheads like me who still like this sort of stuff and what and that what they bought out is masterpiece transformers now they bought out an optimus originally and he was quite big in size maybe about 30 centimeters tall maybe a little bit bigger and he looked like optimus you transformed him and he looked like the actual cartoon because you look at the original optimus toy versus the cartoons like it doesn't look like that yeah and there's limitations to how you can turn a truck into a into a robot i understand but they made this masterpiece transformer it's like it looked good and it was over 100 bucks that thing and i could never justify it but it looked good and and i think it's the company Takara, that's the original toy maker from back in the late 70s that they bought it from. Okay. They still make them. So you might see MP something if you type in Transformers on eBay or anything like that. So MP01 is the masterpiece Optimus Prime. And then MP234. And they do Megatrons. That looks like Megatron. It actually looks like the character from the cartoon. And it looks like the gun. They are so well engineered and beautiful to look at. They, you pay for it. Yeah. But they look amazing. And I mean, you cannot get an MP1 or 2 for any sort of good cheap price anymore. Yeah. They just don't exist. And these are more your display toys oh, yeah. rather than your play with toys, though. Yeah. So I do have a masterpiece Prowl. Because I don't know why. I never liked Prowl at the time because I always thought the car looked old when it came out. Oh, see, I love Prowl. Yeah, but it's a Datsun from the 70s. It always looked like an old car. But as a robot, he looked cool. The doors became sort of wings behind his back and it just has a great look. It's like, he's a really good looking figure. Like, I don't know what the figure looks like in the original. Oh, he was still pretty good. But in the Masterpiece version, he looks like the comic and the cartoon, and he looks awesome. So I got myself one of those. I was like, this could be a nasty habit I get into. So luckily, thank God, like they bought them out every now and then at Toys R Us. Okay. I didn't realise they were out here. Well, no, not often. But they did bring out Grimlock. Oh, okay. And a very strong wish list for Christmas that year to my wife saying, this is what I want. You really should go get it. And she did, luckily. So I do have a Grimlock up there. And and there are constantly toys coming out. Like the, They actually had billboards on train stops 
bus stops last year for the Combiner Wars toys. It, yeah. it was a storyline that had nothing. The Machinima got a cartoon eventually, but it was a toy line of Combiner Wars. Mm. And they had action figures that came out, which don't sell. And because they, they price it too far out. Who's buying Transformers toys without a cartoon? What kids are going, I want that $80 toy. Parents are going, I'm not buying it for you. Yeah. Who is it? I don't know. I just want it. It just doesn't work. So for some reason, there's all these toys come out. They don't sell. And then the shop over in Australia called the Reject Shop seems to get this surplus toys every now and then. Like the Thundercats line got there and end up going really cheap. Mm. And I have the equivalent of a jet fire from the Combiner Wars, which is a you know, eighteen month old figure, and that was selling for thirty bucks. Yeah, it's like, pretty yeah, good. Bring it on. So, well, as I said before, when my son got into it, I think there was a couple of different ranges of the toys as well. Mm-hmm. They had ones specifically designed for younger kids that were... Don't like, transform. transform. Well, they do transform, but they transform in like two or three clicks yep. rather than having to sit there and go, move this, take yep. this door here, move this wheel here sort of thing. So they were more designed for the younger kids. And I know they, they brought out the Rescue Bots ones that are your kids' bigger plastic toys. And the way they transform is just really simple. It's just It just clicks and it suddenly goes yep. from being like my son's got a fire truck one and it goes from being the truck to being the the robot in just one little move and I was just flicking around on YouTube yesterday looking for things to maybe bring up in the show and I saw from Japan they have actually got a range of self-transforming ones as Mm. well whereas they're they're almost like a remote control car where it just yeah transforms from the robot into back into the prime sort of truck and then back again sort of thing Yeah, but I'd hate to think how much they are I don't know but I do you remember you remember the um, when the Subaru WRX first came out yep. and they had that paint job was it Colin McRae was it his car yeah it would have been the, yep. the blue one with the yeah with the, yep. yeah, with the yellow because they stuff. bought out a transformer that and that's the first time I ever saw anything in this masterpiece sort of quality line I think they were calling it skids or one of those but it was never obviously in WRX in the comic but it was amazing yeah. the car looked right and it was just really cool the engineering was fantastic and yeah it's so like from then on it just boomed and it's huge and I mean a friend of us ours he does the host of the Geek Dudes podcast he's got the Masterpiece Optimus he's got the Masterpiece Megatron Masterpiece Grimlock he's got quite a few the Masterpiece Disposable Income well yeah it does get to a point where it's like I can't do this anymore Yeah, but and they're all in scale too so Optimus is a lot bigger than Prowl and Bumblebee Okay, but you sort of pay certain prices for certain yeah, things and, that's and the, they still cost money like, and I think actually because I, I, when I want to Prowl I just had the decision I don't know what made me want to do it so I just need to Prowl so I sent him a message like I want a Masterpiece Prowl what do I do where do I get one and he goes leave it with me and he goes it's on order it's 30 bucks I think it was or 35 and it's not legit let's just say well, I but think, I think it's out of the same factory because it looks pretty damn good because I think there is a separate range where it's not made by the same factory but they're made with the official moulds yeah and there is a term for it in toy collecting but I can't remember what it is off the top of my head knockoff no it's not it's, it's well this was a knockoff oh, okay yeah. but the beauty of this too because the trans fans are huge like they they do a lot of stuff and you can buy third party bits like you remember that one episode of Transformers when this happened we can make you the bits for that so like when Starscream wore a cape. Yeah. Well, no, I've just had the cape. Starscream okay. had a crown. Okay, so there's yes. little things like that and there's decals from certain episodes and stuff. So people are making these third-party things and a lot of these third parties are better than mm. you get from the originals. And some great stuff there. So my um my Prowl, he's got one shoulder cannon and things like that on it. But you can actually buy others and there's chrome pieces or you can get them in gold and you can get this. Mm. So there's this whole other a, a network. massive market. For, for these people and it's just like yeah that's dangerous slippery soap I'm not going down there mm-hmm. so I mean I'm tempted only because my favourite Matchbox car just as a car but Wheeljack I absolutely loved and it's like oh maybe I need a Masterpiece Wheeljack but that's a few years old now so for, to try and get one of those I'm just not even thinking about mm-hmm. what it would be worth but yes Transformers is still part of my life all this time later it's just taken many different forms mm-hmm. like Transformers and so hey, exactly it's more than meets the eye Correct. And that's the first time we've said that. Is it? I think so. Maybe. We haven't talked about music. No. Not quite as iconic as the Mask theme song. Oh, you lie. Oh, I think so. But the Transformers music. And pre- Stan Bush is pretty amazing. We, yes. Yeah. But I think the music from the movie is better than the music from the TV show oh, well, itself. The, I mean, the opening credits is great. Yeah. That's where the movie ends on that one, which is the same as Mask. But the movie itself had a pretty kicking soundtrack. This is the animated movie in 1986. Yeah. And Stan Bush, who wrote the Transformers theme, or if he didn't, he wrote the song performed by Lion, which is a more 
jazzed up rockin' version of the theme. Yeah. But he also wrote The Touch. Yes. Which is a pretty damn cool song, if you know Boogie Nights. Yeah, so The Touch is great. The Transformers scene is good. And Dare, I think, is the other song on it, which is three absolute kick-ass, what I call foot-on-foldback. You know when you're a, you're, a lead, you're a lead singer of a band and you go up there and you put your, the speaker in front of you on the stage, you put your thing on that, your, your foot on that, you put the mic, you look in the air, put the mic to you and scream out the, the big ass, you know, like Europe. Yes. What you'd imagine of Europe, but better. Yeah, so there's three kick-ass songs on that soundtrack and a weird Yankee Vic song. Hmm, just for the hell stupid. of it. Yeah. Hmm. So it's just, yeah, kick-ass. So I dare say we know what sort of music we're going to be getting at the end of this. Yeah, it is a little, little bit of a, a bit of a toss-up whether I go with the touch or whether we just go for the traditional Transformers. So, yeah. Mm, nothing. But anyway, yeah. I'll see what you put on. Okay. Cool. Well, that's Alrighty. a great look down nostalgia. And this is the bad thing when we do episodes like this. I'm like, oh, what's that going for on eBay? Because <laughs> yeah. right. oh, we're, at, we're at a party with my family and extended family the other day. There was one kid there who brought his bumblebee along and Jackson just wanted it. He had no idea conceptually what a bumblebee is. It was just a car that was a robot. And he goes, I want a bumblebee. It's like, yeah. I went looking. Transformers toys are expensive. Even the shitty robots in disguise or Prime, any of those sort of ones, kind of expensive. And he's at three and a half now. So it's like, what age do I get him? How easy do I make this transform thing? And it's like, yeah, shouldn't be a Camaro. That was the same issue I had when my youngest was into them as well, because he wanted the more elaborate, bigger transforming type ones. Mm. And I thought at that stage, I'm not going to spend you know twenty five, thirty dollars on a toy that he's going to transform once and snap the mechanism. Yes. So I ended up buying him the, the ones that transformed to a lesser extent. But he's evolved now. He's still got a couple that are the more transforming ones. And he, he still plays with them. Well, Jax has got a rec- rescue bot, but it's a staction. It doesn't even move. Like, there's no even articulation, let alone transformation. Mm. And so, yeah, he doesn't really get into it as much because, yeah, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't do what it should do. So I was like, yeah, I'm looking at him. Because I get excited and I think, I'll get him a bumblebee. I'll get him one. But I'm looking at him going, you're not my bumblebee. And because I don't watch a cartoon, it's not my bumblebee and never will be. Yeah, exactly. So until he actively starts wanting to watch and does watch, I think I'll wait. Probably a good idea. All righty. On that note, that's probably a nice place for us to wrap up Transformers. As we said, we've only covered G1 and a few little other touches. So there, there was probably a ton of stuff that we didn't cover. So if you have any feedback for us, you can find us on our Facebook page. We are facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast. Find us on our website, which is themapodcast.podbean.com. Drop us a line on Twitter as the MA Podcast. So if you've got any ideas of things we should have talked about for Transformers, definitely drop us a line and tell us what you think about is your favourite moment from Transformers history. But anyway, until next time, Mitch, thank you very much. No worries. And we'll see you next time. Transformers, roll out.